This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Jesus always wins. Amen. And we can stay at peace. I'm so glad uh, University of Memphis helped me get over any sense of being upset about losses a few years ago. Uh, Actually, I was one of those that got into games overboard. Probably heard me tell it before, but when my team Memphis was playing for a national championship, I put my chair through uh, my aquarium <laughs> because of a bad call. Didn't like the call and um, exploded out. That's a bad call, ref! And whoops, stuck the chair through the aquarium. And I was so much in the game, I was not going to help the fish. <laughs> I hope you're not animal lovers here. You don't think, I've changed. I repented. Fish are flopping around, but I was waiting for a commercial. <laughs> Disgusting. Terrible. I can hardly tell Ellen that story. I won't get supper. Okay. <laughs> anyway. Uh, God is good. We've been looking at a, a series, Living in the End Times, and I think we all can readily see that the morals have decayed, declined, that the news is, is pretty awful. If you watch it very much, it's very easy to get in fear or, or just uh, depressed. It's depressing. And it used to be something that would happen of a, a major uh, horrific event, whatever, there would be like a little vacation, be a cushion. Now it seems like there is no cushion. Another one happens, another one. Well, we get the news in advance. When you look at the Bible, when you look at the Word of God, we have the, the news before it happens. And we were told about this day that we live in but it was not to scare us, it was to prepare us and let us know God knew this in advance and we can use it uh, to our advantage. And he tells us what to do during this time. And we saw that the last days actually started on the day of Pentecost. It was prophesied, God would pour out spirit, people would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. And that happened on the day of Pentecost that people could call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in Him, give Him their life, and they would be saved. So that happened then. So we've been in the last days for 2,000 years. So then the question comes up, when did the last of the last days start? We've been looking in 2 Timothy uh, at a series of things that would happen in the world in the last of the last days. But when did the last of the last days start? And I, I thought it might be interesting to tell you what uh, some people think, and I, I, I think I, I agree with it. We really can't pinpoint exactly, but there was a shift. There was a major turn in the beliefs, uh, really, uh, not just our nation, but the earth that took place. But first, I want to take you back. I believe it was the first or second week. I, I went to 2 Peter chapter 3 briefly. This is not in your notes, by the way. 
This is Second uh, Peter chapter three, verse three, and you can see it on the screen. Knowing this first. Now, in the Greek, it when it talks about knowing this first, it actually means the beginning of or the ignition, the signal of when you see this happen. It's first on the scene. Knowing this first. The scoffers will come in the last days, and their last day means the last of the last days. So the beginning of the last of the last days, there would be scoffers. And you look up, it's mockers. It was those that would come against God and what he says, and it would be made a mockery. of It would be a rejection of truth. It says... Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world that then existed perished, being flooded with water. So we know Noah's flooded, it perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now pres preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Let me stop there for a second. This, knowing this first, this would be the signal that there would be a rejection of, of truth. There would be a rejection that God caused the, the creation, there'd be a rejection that there was this flood, Noah's flood, there'd be a rejection that there was an impending a judgment that would, that would come. All this would be rejected. And in the 1830s, a man named Sir Charles Lyell wrote a series or a volume of books called Principles of Geology. And you probably never heard of this man, but he, he wrote this, and he was an atheist, but he was considered the authority on geology. And he wrote this, this volumes of books, and essentially what it said, the forces that are happening in the earth created the earth. The forces that have always been are continue on. Now here's, that, that sounds hard to, to grasp, and they said it was hard for people to grasp at that time. But that was his theory that he brought out. And this, this volumes of book, it was really a rejection of the truth. Now, up until that time, the Bible was the standard. The Bible, what the Bible says, was the only thing that people uh, really would entertain. They may not be living for God or serving Him or accepting Him, but they say, well, God created the heavens and the earth. So things started shifting at that time. They were making a mockery uh, of, they, they took God out of the equation. Well, he had someone who was a young friend who devoured his book, read all his books. And you've heard of this friend. His name was Charles Darwin. Charles Darwin read his volumes of books and he actually became a friend of him. He was young uh, and became a friend of this older man who was the authority on geology. And he studies 
And Charles Darwin, as we know, comes up with what? Evolution. Evolution. And what Charles Darwin says that lightning struck a lake and there was an amoeba there. And this amoeba got struck by lightning and started growing little fins. And it crawled out of the water and started breathing. And after a few thousand years, it started getting hairy and started liking bananas. <laughs> and then it started raising up some. And it started looking for another one that looked like him where they could get in a row and scratch each other's backs. You ever been to the zoo? I'm talking about monkeys. And these monkeys changed and transformed, and here we are. Did you know that your forefathers, your, your relatives were monkeys? Darwin completely rejected creation. He said he rejected the flood. He rejected the Bible. Totally. And here's the amazing part of this. Scientists embraced it. This unproven theory became part of scientific it's just knowledge. It was just the norm. And it became popular to be agnostic, to be indifferent about God. I don't know if there's a God or not. Atheist. So Charles Darwin even made a comment. He said, I see everything through Sir Charles's eyes. And everything started shifting and changing. And science regarded the word of Charles Darwin and evolution above the word of God. Well, you see in the text we just read, said there would be this denial. And even mentions the flood and mentions judgment. They, Charles Darwin said there is no judgment because there's no God. Now here's the strange thing that happened to Charles Darwin. His wife Emma was a Christian. And they had a child that died. And Emma said, that child's in heaven. And Charles Darwin said, there is no heaven. And it says they had many discussions. And we, I can surmise, and you will agree, that Emma was praying for Charles. Praying for him. And she taught her children the ways of the Lord. And there was this, today they would call it a myth or maybe it happened that Charles Darwin on his deathbed got saved. And some people say it's not true. But uh, a guy did a biography on Charles Darwin and there was supposed to be this woman that came and ministered to him in the hospital and he accepted the Lord. And at first they said this woman didn't exist but this guy went back and studied and found that she did exist. Her, she was called the Lady, Lady of Hope. Wendy Conrad, Lady of Hope. <laughs> hope I, I never, no, it wasn't Wendy. I, but a woman like Wendy, <laughs> giving hope. And she was an evangelist that would do tent meetings. And she was in the hospital and... She called, uh, he called for her, and she came and ministered to him, 
and he accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior. Well, everyone said, that's a lie, that's a lie, that's a lie. And the biographer said, I can't say what happened in that room, but he has found that she did exist, and then he found out she did go to the hospital. Now, i tell you what I think. I think that she wasn't lying. I think she told the truth. But see, the devil didn't want that to come out, that the one that came up with this theory of evolution denounces it and says it's not true. For him to get saved mean he, means he had to reject evolution. He had to accept the Bible as truth. You see how the mockery started, and you see where we are at today, that we have schools teaching it. We have um, schools like Harvard that used to be Christian schools that will not let you mention Jesus Christ. They're, they're anti-God now. That's where we've come. But I want you to see, they were saying, where is Jesus? Where is Jesus? It was like in the days of Noah, before the flood, they were just going about life and ignoring God, giving Him no place in their life. It said they willfully forgot God. They chose deliberately to leave Him out of the equation because if you put God in the equation, that means you have a choice, you have a responsibility. <laughs> that means there is a standing before Him. <laughs> there is a heaven and a hell. So they conveniently put it out. But they're saying this and saying, where's Jesus? Where is He? Is He old? Is He forgotten? And all this. But here's the reason why. Verse 8, My beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I want you to know the reason... That God hasn't ended this thing is because He loves people and He wants them to come in to His family. It's because He's merciful and loving. That's the reason. But you see, we're in the last of the last days. And I, I believe I agree. I mean, it's just, uh, you know, no one that knows exactly when, but our nation and the world, because it follows us, started shifting away from God and the biblical account of how creation came in the 1830s. So let's look back at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and I'm just going to read through this and try not to review. Get the earlier CDs. Last time I reviewed too much and we didn't finish get to where I wanted to. But know this, that in the last days, we know this is the last of the last days. Perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power from such people turn away. 
turn away in that they're not the ones that you're to get your spiritual insight from. You're to be witnessing and ministering to them truth. Now as Janies and Jambres resisted Moses, and you can read that in Exodus, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapprove concerning the faith, but they will progress no further. For their folly will be manifest to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, affliction, which happened to me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what uh, persecutions I endured, and out of them all, say all. all. I love that. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. And what Paul was telling him, when you look at uh, in the Greek, it's saying, Timothy, you think it's bad now, it's going to get much worse. It's going to get worse and worse. And that's where we're at now. Things have changed. Things have gone down. They haven't gotten better. They've gotten worse as far as the world is concerned. And that's what this is talking about. How society will be, what society will look like in the last of the last days. We see two things chiefly that... Um, there will be dangerous, perilous times, and you can read through there. And then, secondly, there will be a revival of the occult. Uh, there will be a fascination with magic and the supernatural from the wrong source. There will be this uh, false prophet or false teachers, these that will tell you things that sound godly, but they will not have the power of God behind it. They'll have the wrong power behind it. Talk about new agers and that influence that uh, is predominant in, in the world today where you hear people say, I'm spiritual, but I don't believe in Jesus Christ, that he came in the flesh. See, where it talks about those that believe that Jesus came in the flesh, those were ones that are saved. Why new agers say that Christ is in you the hope of glory? But it's a Christ consciousness. It's an energy force. It's not the Jesus Christ that came in the flesh. They don't believe you can have a personal relationship. They just believe there's this force out there that you can tap into. And they, they have healings. They have people get free. But you know it's with a hook. We saw that the things that the enemy does for you are defective. And there's a hook with them. Whatever the devil does for you, it's never for your good. It's for your evil. It's for your destruction. It's to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's what the enemy wants to do is destroy your witness, destroy your marriage, destroy your life, destroy you in every area. That's what he's after. And he really wants to do that if you're a Christian. So he wants to stop your witness. So what does Paul say to do? And he's given us instruction to understand. It was for Timothy it was bad for Timothy. And I'm not going to get into all that, but there was great persecution on the Christians then. Great persecution. But Paul's saying, it's going to get worse. This, 
He hadn't seen anything yet. And really, he was talking to us. God was talking to us and telling us what to do in the last of the last days. In verse 14, it says, but you must continue. Turn to your neighbor and say, you must continue. In the things which you have learned and be, been assured of, knowing from whom you've learned them. And this is Paul, and we're going to see some of that scripture. And that from childhood you've known the holy scriptures, which are able to, and that able to is dunamis power, make you wise for salvation. And salvation is the all-inclusive word of scripture. Everything that Jesus Christ did for us, every promise is included in that word salvation. So whatever your need is, is included in it. Safety, protection, health, wholeness, financial blessing, prosperity, every area, relationship, prosperity, blessing on your marriage, those type things are all included and are part of the promises of God for us. Make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Jesus Christ. So continue in the Word. You've got to continue in the Word. Notice here it didn't say you need to go buy some ammunition. You need to go buy some Guns, get you a machine gun if you can. You need to go buy as much food as you can get. Build you a new addition to your house where you can store all the supplies. It's, it's about to get tough. Don't tell no one, but people are going to find you out anyway. They're coming to your house if things get bad. He didn't say that. It's interesting to me that Paul said, continue in the Word. Continue in the Word. You know, the Word never tells us to go hide. It says, abide in the Word. Abide in Him. You know, I heard the other day that there are, I forgot to figure how much money, said Christians are buying up survival supplies. To hold out when this thing comes to an end. Stop! Continue in the Word. It's okay to have some emergency supplies, sure. Your electricity goes down or something. No. But don't start buying years worth of food. Pastor, I don't believe this. It's happening big time. I have some friends. Not the word. The word says to continue. And, and the word continue means abide, remain permanently. And it's talking about be a student. I must be a student of the word for life. Once you get connected with Christ, once you come into the family of God, you're to be a student of the word for life. Continue, abide. Verse 16, all scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God or the woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Let me say it like this. Thoroughly equipped for whatever you face. The Bible will equip you for whatever you face. No matter what comes your way, you're thoroughly 
furnished. You're thoroughly equipped. Because his word is the answer. He has the answer in his word. So if you were the devil, what would you try and do? Keep you from the word. Get you so busy that you don't have time for the word. You don't have time to get with God. That's your lifeline. That's your peace. That's your strength. That's where you get wisdom and instruction. A couple weeks ago, I'd looked up about reading the Bible. How many people read the Bible? I think it was one in five Christians read it once a week. 60% crack the book open four times a year. Now, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that we're doing the opposite of what the Word instructs us to do. We're to be in this Bible. Well, Pastor, you don't understand. I just don't like reading it. Ask God to help you. You can get it on tape now. You can listen to it. You can hear it. What a great day we live in. We're blessed. Well, pastor, it's just too, too convenient for me now. Yeah. It says that this, this Bible is inspired. You remember, God breathed on it. It came out of God, but God's in it. When you read the Word, you, it is filled with God. God's life is in that Word. It's a supernatural Word. You read it, and it reads you. <laughs> and you're with God. And there's peace. No matter what the news is saying, you can have peace. And then it says, not your peace, but His peace. How many know that God has some pretty good peace? Last time I checked, He wasn't worried or concerned by anything. There's no sweat coming from God. He's never ever sweaty. He's not about to. He's got this thing. <laughs> it says complete, and that word means to be fit, to be capable, sufficient. It speaks of a person who's moved to a superior position. Makes you complete. You have moved to the God advantage, a superior position. Let me move on here. The Word of God will protect you. It will guide you. It will instruct you. It will correct you. It will free you. It will heal you. It will bless you. It will give you wisdom for the future. It will give you insight for your marriage. It will help you in every way. We need the Word. You need to fall in love with the Word. The Bible. Now let me put a warning to this. Once you do, it's addictive. It's addictive. And something happens, you don't get your time. Ellen knows. I don't get my time. I'm a different person. I'm not the mild-mannered Superman pastor that you see before you. I'm Clark Kent stuck in a phone booth. Irritated and angry because the door won't open. 
My cape is wrinkled. My outfit doesn't fit anymore. It's a bad hair day. It's awful. And 1 Timothy chapter 4 continues on and he shifts and he said, that's the society, but what about the church? Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. So what you see happen in the world will invade the church. And you will find people who are giving heed to seducing spirits or deception and doctrine or teachings of demons and their conscience is seared and there's no longer a desire to walk holy before the Lord. Their conscience is seared. Because they're giving heed to the enemy. And it will happen. Here's the thing. This will happen in the church. Not maybe will happen. It will happen because it's in Scripture. This is going to happen. And then you'll find these people are going to go hook, line, and sinker for those signs and wonders done by the New Agers or the occult and find themselves departing from the faith. And the picture, departing from the faith, is not a, a, a decision that's made just like that. It's like the frog in the pan. You remember? That you put him in there and you cook him if you do it slowly. That's what this word, departing from the faith. That will happen in the church. That's the reason you've got to be founded and rooted in truth. Not to be deceived. Not to let this deception overtake you. It would be naive of us to think, I don't need to spend time in the Word and I won't be deceived. That's the Word is telling us some will be deceived. And He just told us, stay in the Word. Stay in the Word of God. It's the standard. We, it's the highest revelation. I don't care if you have a vision, a revelation, you have an angel visit you, it must line up with the Word of God. You know, I, I saw um, a lady who had said she'd been visited by angels, and all these people are going crazy about it. But do you know, it wasn't biblical what she said. The Bible says I'm to reject that because it's not the truth. It's a lie. Well, Pastor, are you saying nothing happened to her? No, I'm saying uh, there was this angel of light that was demonic. It had a form. It looked good, sounded good, but it was twisted, it was perverted, it was a lie. And see, it sounded good at first until she said, all people are going to heaven. All people are saved. If you're born in this earth, you're going to heaven. So what the Word says, that's a lie. That is a lie. I don't accept any of it then. The highest revelation is the Word. In fact, the Word says we have a, a, a more sure word of prophecy. It's the written Word. 
It says they will depart the faith. I, I had a minister and heard this. Minister tell me that he had gone beyond the Bible. Well, let me tell you, if you've gone beyond the Word of God, the Bible, you've gone too far. Too far. We're going to stick with the Word. How many are going to stick with the Word? That's deception. But God has a secret plan for these last of the last days. That's what I want to get to. Ephesians 3.8, To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all see was the fellowship of the mystery. Say the mystery. Which was from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places. See, God doesn't come down and tell the devil how smart he is. God shows how smart he is through his church. The devil sees how wise and how brilliant God is through his church. See, the mystery that was hid in God is the church or the dispensation of grace. You don't find it in the Old Testament. There's some prophecy they didn't understand. There's some things that give us some insight. It was a mystery. And this mystery was God's secret weapon in these last of the last days that man would defeat or carry out and exercise the victory that was purchased at the cross. I want you to think about this. Jesus rose from the dead and all authority was given to the church in his name. Everyone agree? When we use that name, when you use the name of Jesus, hell stops. Can you imagine the enemy? We were inferior by creation, but through the new birth, we're superior in position in Christ. So here's this inferior creation taking authority over Satan, over the angels, over Satan, who is the leader of the angels, and stopping him. He's humiliated. God is using us to show his magnificent wisdom. The best is yet to come. You haven't seen anything yet. The grand finale of this thing is awesome. For the church. The world's going to get worse. There's not going to be peace. There's nothing wrong with desiring peace. And there's people that are after peace. They're, they want peace, peace, peace on the earth. It's not going to happen the Bible says it won't happen. If you do get it, it's temporary. Let me talk about this mystery for a moment. 
These are seven things that were a mystery from the Old Testament, our Old Covenant. Number one, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit was with believers. But on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit could live in man. Could live in mankind. Live in believer. This was a mystery that was not, that was hidden in the Old Testament. Number two, the priesthood of every believer. In the Old Testament, what was there? There was a certain tribe, Levi, that tribe that were priests. But now it was hid that God would have a whole family that every believer would be a priest. The Bible says we're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. That means you don't have to have someone, a priest, go in your behalf. You go yourself. You go yourself before God. Isn't that great? <laughs> the new birth. The new birth didn't exist in the old uh, covenant. It was, a, it was a mystery that we'd be a new creation, new species of being. That we'd have a new spirit made after God. In true holiness, and true righteousness, our spirit man, the new birth. Number four, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. It was prophesying. Remember Isaiah prophesied about it? said, filled with uh, his power. But it wasn't understood. But we'd have a prayer language that we could speak directly to God. The enemy wouldn't even understand it. And it would bring refreshing to us as we exercise our prayer language. Wow, what a mystery. But we get to enjoy it. Number five, spiritual gifts for every believer. In the Old Testament, remember it was the, the prophet, the priest, and the king that would operate or exercise some gifts. But you know, now every believer can operate in the gifts of the Spirit. It was hidden. It was a mystery. You could just write the word church and circle it. Everything that's Connected to it, that's what was hidden. That was the mystery. Number six, the body of Christ or a church. That the church is the body of Christ. That there would be a universal family of believers that God would have that would be born after Him, be born anew, born from God. It was a mystery. And that there would be individual um, house, um, local Places that are family. Wow. What a, what a great mystery. God had you born for such a time as this. That you could walk in this. Number seven. The rapture of the church. They didn't know about it. It was a mystery. Why? They didn't even know about the church. Do you know that in 1 Thessalonians, during that time period, that there was believers then that thought Nero was the Antichrist. And they thought that this thing was coming to an end. They thought the rapture was so close, many of them quit their jobs and waited on it. Don't quit your job. Word says, occupy till he comes. Continue on. Marching forward. Don't quit your job. 
But there is, there is a rapture. And it, it talks about that there's a, a gathering together with him. We'll meet him in the air. And then the second coming said he's coming and touching down on earth and he will remain. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 7, But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. If the devil had known that we were going to come out of this, he would have not crucified Jesus. He'd rather dealt just with him than all of us. It was hidden from everybody except God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. If God had told us somebody would have gotten out, the devil would have heard it. The devil, no one knew it. The devil didn't know it. But he knows it now and goes, the wisdom of God. Colossians one twenty six. The mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generation, but now has been revealed to the saints. To them, God will to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The church is the hope of the world. Why? Because Christ lives in you. And when you let him out, power's released for his Holy Spirit to touch another life and to bring conviction and witness that he lives and he's alive. A glorious church. These end times. That's the reason he said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves as that day approaches, as the end comes, you need to be a church. I'm not saying if you got to work, work. I'm saying you need to make it your point to be at church. That's what the Word says as that day approaches. As we get closer, and we're close. <laughs> because you're reminded of things, you remember things, or you learn things, church. And there's encouragement. Peace and strength and prayer released. This is a day that you need to be praying and bringing in those loved ones. This is a day that you need to be making a difference. Because it is your last of your last days. Started the day you were born in this earth. What will you do? What will you do to make a difference? What will you do with your life that's eternal? What is eternal? People. What is eternal? God, a place called heaven. You can live there. You can be with Him for all eternity. It's by our heads. This morning, you have never called upon Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Today's the day of salvation. You need to make this choice. He'll not decide for you. You have to decide. But when you do decide, you give Him your life. His grace and His power will help you live the life. None of us are perfect. If we were, we wouldn't need Jesus. But He's good. He's gracious. He's kind. He's loving. He's forgiving. And He loves you. 
And he wants you to be a part of his eternal family. Won't you come to him? Won't you receive him this morning? Maybe you prayed this before, but you know you're not living for him. You've been disconnected. Get connected again. You can get in on this prayer. Come pray a simple prayer. You mean it from your heart. Everything will change for you. You'll be his. Not going to ask you to come down front at this time, but we have some prayer partners at the end of service. Come and tell them what, what you did, accepting the Lord. Or maybe you came back to Him. Come and receive prayer at that time. No one looking around. If this is you, you need Him today. I want you to lift, slip up your hand and say, that's me. And we're going to pray together. And God will save you. He'll be the difference maker in your life. Thank you, Father. Let's pray this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, for the cross. Thank you for being perfect for me who is imperfect. Thank you for paying the price for all my guilt for every place I've ever missed it. Those places I know about and the places I don't even know. I trust you now. I give you my heart and I give you my life. I'm going to live for you. Thank you for saving me. I believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead in my behalf. I believe it from my heart and I say it with my mouth. Jesus is my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's give the Lord thanks. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662 890 1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a